0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, February 23rd. The Big Bend bouldering area is about 10 miles upstream of Moab, near the banks of the Colorado River, right by that, well, Big Bend in the waterway. With lots of rocks and so-called bouldering problems to solve, it's been a favorite of local climbers for decades. I can't
1: tell you how many... Days and hours I have spent out there over the last 25 years or so, it's definitely become like a second home for me.
0: Longtime Moab resident and climber Lisa Hathaway. Earlier this month, this second home for her and many others was found vandalized. Different bouldering holds were smeared with grease.
1: Basically, it looked like someone had taken some form of mechanical grease, probably an axle grease or some such, And literally smeared it like you would spread cream cheese on a bagel over these holds.
0: Hathaway is on the board of Friends of Indian Creek, a local climbing advocacy group. She says they consulted with other regional climbing groups to figure out how to address this vandalism. They're calling the incident Greasegate. She says it's not the first time climbing holds have somehow been marred by a petroleum-based product. In the past, she's heard of climbers putting Vaseline on holds, likely to keep a competitor from doing the same climb. She says this type of vandalism on any type of rock for any type of reason is never okay. But it's uncommon.
1: It's definitely occurred before, but it has been, you know, very isolated incidents to the point where it does draw a lot of people's attention. And
0: no one really knows why
1: in this case um,
0: it happened. The BLM manages the Big Bend bouldering area. They are currently offering up to $1,000 for information leading to the identification and conviction of those responsible for greasing the handholds. The federal agency has also been in touch with the Friends Group to address cleaning, which does present challenges in the case of porous sandstone rock. Here's Hathaway again. Because
1: both fortunately and unfortunately, this is rather an unprecedented incident. We don't have a lot of information about how exactly to clean sandstone that people are going to be using their hands and feet on. If you're not familiar with climbing, it might not seem like it was that big of a deal to have um, any product smeared on the rock. But sandstone rock is very porous and fairly fragile, and it's pretty difficult to clean. And we don't want to break it, we don't want to damage it further, but we also don't want to embed the grease further.
0: On a recent dry day at the Big Bend bouldering area, you can see pieces of white tape on rock faces where the vandalism has occurred. They're marking holds that are off-limits for now. And the tape has a message, quote, Please do not climb on this face until further notice. Thanks, the locals. Then the words hashtag Greasegate cleaning.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I would just have a question to whoever did it, like why they would do that. You know, it's just, you're like starting a war with the community, basically, is what you're doing.
0: Jake is out at Big Bend on a road trip with his friend. They had one day in Moab, and they knew they wanted to spend it here. He says he didn't know about the recent vandalism before coming. But the taped signs helped them avoid those rock faces. And once he learned about it, he got a little miffed.
2: Yeah, my only, I don't know, I'm trying to understand why someone would want to do it to a place like this because this is obviously public land. This is like a beautiful bouldering area that's known kind of across the country even. Um, Yeah, so to do something like that is a bit extreme. And I know like a lot of the locals don't like people climbing here after like it rains heavy. So. Yeah, it's, it's really fragile rock to begin with, so I think it's going to take a while for it to recover.
0: His concern about long-term recovery is one shared by Hathaway and the Friends Group. That's why the local cleaning team is taking what she calls a slow, judicious approach.
1: We don't want to fight chemicals with chemicals, so we've been using hot water, baking soda, Dawn dish soap, and in very just like small increments, doing tests to see how the hold's look, feel, and smell the next day after they dry out and assuring that they are going to dry out from our efforts because we don't want to make it worse.
0: This process is likely going to take a few more weeks. Hathaway is asking climbers to be patient as the area undergoes restoration.
1: I know some of the problems people are really excited to climb on and they're at a very accessible level for people to climb on, but just give us a few more weeks to hopefully...
0: Get things back to where they were. She encourages climbers or locals who might have any knowledge of suspicious behavior in the Big Bend bouldering area to call the BLM's local tip line. That number is 435 259 2131. Coal Basin on Colorado's western slope was the site of a series of 20th-century mining disasters. Now, a privately owned parcel surrounded by national forest land provides free public access to custom-designed mountain bike trails. Rocky Mountain Community Radio's Morgan Neely says the trails offer more than recreation. They're meant to mitigate the environmental destruction left behind by the mine's operators.
2: That's Trina Ortega cruising down a rocky mountain bike trail to the edge of the burbling waters of Dutch Creek. On a trail map, the creek crossing is marked as being at-own-risk. But really, you could say the same for the entire five-mile network of trails at Coal Basin Ranch, four miles west of the historic mining village of Redstone, Colorado.
0: Your closest access to Wi-Fi is in Redstone, and there is a you know, Carbondale Fire does have a facility there, but it's not always staffed with someone right on site.
2: Ortega is the Coal Basin Ranch and Trails Manager for the Katina Foundation, a Carbondale, Colorado-based private foundation that gives to Native American tribes and funds various conservation efforts. Katina owns Coal Basin Ranch, the 221-acre site of the long-shuttered Dutch Creek coal mines operated by Mid-Continent Resources. Ortega hopes recreational trail design and building can be a model for the restoration of other sites ravaged by old mining operations. The transition of Coal Basin from fossil fuel extraction site to recreation hub began in 1992. Just a year after ceasing operations, Mid-Continent Resources went bankrupt, leaving cleanup of the denuded site to the state of Colorado.
0: It started quite a long time ago, you know, so this is building on those restoration efforts where the community and the state and Roinfort Conservancy um, and other entities have gone up and done um, grass, spreading of grass seeds and wildflower seeds. And
2: the Dutch Creek mines were in use for decades and yielded 23 million tons of coal for American steel mills, but all that extraction had a heavy toll on the land and the miners. The early operations were not benign in the basin as well. In 1956, Mid-Continent Coal and Coke began operations up there. That's they Steve Renner, Senior Reclamation Specialist for the Colorado Division of, of Reclamation, Mining, and Safety, at a presentation on the history of Coal Basin in 10, 2012. As far as I can tell, the, the mines near Redstone have a grim history. America, on a Tuesday North in North late North December 1965, nine men died when a buildup of methane exploded just 15 minutes before the end of their shift. The men were all working an extra hour each night that week to make up for time they were planning on taking off for the New Year's holiday. Fred Hefferley, then District 15 President of the United Mine Workers, told press at the time that he'd complained numerous times about conditions in the mine, which United Mine Workers officials called the most dangerous in Colorado. On April 15, 1981, a cloud of methane and coal dust ignited. That explosion killed 15 men, the youngest of whom was a 20-year-old Glenwood Springs resident. It's difficult to say how familiar the average recreational user of the property is with the mine disasters, which are commemorated by Miners Park in Carbondale and a memorial in Redstone. The bike park at Coal Basin Ranch opened for its first season in July 2021, and Ortega estimates that more than 300 visitors rode the trails during the first couple weeks of operation. A kids' camp event later in the summer brought more than 100 youth to the site. Nicole?
1: Um, yeah, get ready. It's Schwartz. Z is in zebra.
0: (laughs) U, G.
2: A supervisor at Propaganda Pie, a Detroit style pizza restaurant in Redstone, says she saw a noticeable bump in business from mountain bikers after Coal Basin Ranch opened its trails to the public.
1: Tourism for sure. As far as the mountain biking goes, like with the Coal Basin, we definitely saw more people up here when it first got started, but there was a long period that.
2: Redstone is still a sleepy, unincorporated town of less than 100 residents. 17 miles to the north, Carbondale is going through a boom. The average home price exceeded $1 million a few years ago, and most estimates now put the town's population at 7,000. There's a new city market and a paved path along State Highway 133 that takes bikers and runners five miles south to a KOA campground. Pitkin County Open Space and Trails and Gunnison County have planned for years to eventually complete an 80-plus mile path between Carbondale and Crested Butte. One more link from Colorado's fossil fuel past to its recreation future.
0: This restoration story is getting people to know the landscape, to experience it, and providing a way for them to experience it safely, and also become maybe a steward of the
2: landscape as well. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Morgan Neely.
0: This story is part of a collaborative reporting project with Rocky Mountain Community Radio looking at fossil fuel transitions in the West. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, February 23rd. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.